Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Rashidi, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birken Road Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rashidi. Welcome to Out to Lunch. When I started thinking about how to introduce today's show, I asked myself, where do I begin? Then I realized, where do I begin is actually a pretty good introduction. The beginning of anything is the hardest part. The first day of school, the first week in a new job, or the first 12 months of a new business. According to the Small Business Administration, 20% of new businesses fail in their first year. About 50% fail in the first five years, and after 10 years, only around 30% of businesses are still going. Of that 30%, about one quarter have what is called a successful exit. A successful exit is when you're business is doing so well that someone buys it off you for a price that makes all of your hard work worth it. These percentages make it sound like if you start a business you have a pretty good chance of a successful exit. Actually you don't. When you do the math your chance of getting from startup to successful exit is 0.075%. In other words, close to zero. Which makes what happened in New Orleans in 2021 so extraordinary. In the space of a few months, we saw three stupendous successful exits. First up was TurboSquid. TurboSquid is an online marketplace for buying and selling 3D images and models that are used in everything from video games to TV commercials. The company was one of the earliest successful tech startups in New Orleans. It was founded in 2000. In 2021, co-founder Matt Wisdom sold TurboSquid to a company called Shutterstock for $75 million. Matt, welcome out to lunch. Hello, Peter. Next up was Levelset. Levelset is a software-based company in the construction industry. Basically, it acts as a contractual meeting place for contractors and the many subcontractors on a construction site. Levelset's function is managing all of the financial obligations on a construction project so that Everyone gets paid, and gets paid on time. They secure and facilitate almost two billion in payments every month. Level Set started life with the name Z-Lane. Scott Wolf Jr., a local New Orleans real estate attorney, started the company in 2011. In 2021, Scott sold Level Set to a company called Procore for $500 million. Scott, welcome back to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. To round out our spectacular 2021, there was Lucid. Lucid is a New Orleans company that specializes in conducting, compiling, and analyzing consumer research. The company started out life in 2010 as Federated Sample. In 2015, it changed its name to Lucid. And in 2021, Lucid was sold to a Swedish market research company called the Synt Group for $1.1 billion. The founder and CEO of Lucid is Patrick Comer, Patrick, welcome to Out to Lunch. It's great to be back with you. <laughs> Patrick Comer, Matt Wisdom, and Scott Wolf Jr. have all been on Out to Lunch before, so if you're interested in how their companies got started or the nuts and bolts of what they do day to day, you can search for those episodes on your podcast app. Today, though, Patrick, Matt, and Scott, I want to talk about a subject that I'm not sure was on anyone's mind in the early years when we all first met, and that is the challenges of success. 
what your success means to you, your company, and to New Orleans. Let me start by asking you all the same question. When each of these successful exits happened, a chorus of voices in the New Orleans business community, maybe including your own, claimed the sales of your companies were a great development for all of New Orleans business and the city as a whole. These comments are kind of like when a kid in your high school gets into an Ivy League college. The kid is obviously smart and worked hard, but the high school is quick to take credit and uses the kid's smiling face on all of its marketing for the next 12 months. The fact is though, 99.9% .9 of kids in that high school did not get into an Ivy League college, and a certain percentage of them couldn't even spell Harvard, much less get there. Along the same lines, because you're smart and hardworking enough to build a business that sells for millions of dollars, how exactly does that benefit anyone else in New Orleans? Matt, I'd like to start with you. Well, sure. Well, so I'd say a couple things. One, it's not all our hard work. The state of Louisiana and New Orleans, but the state of Louisiana in particular, helped us with software development, R&D tax credits. They helped defray our expenses. We took a lot of risks that we wouldn't have taken if, if Louisiana wasn't supportive of companies just like ours. So it's not just our own work. I mean, there's a lot that went into doing that. From my point of view, what I've done now, I've invested in a couple companies. I'm looking more at software companies and trying to help the next crop of companies, right? I was sort of in the first wave of companies and and these guys were really, I, I was hoping for people to take it further and these guys did, the, you know, they're sitting with us right now. But hopefully there's a next wave of companies that'll take it even bigger. Like we've crossed the billion threshold, congrats, Patrick. So now how do we get to the, what is it, the unicorn? Well, the next step is the 10 billion. We need a decacorn. Oh, a decacorn, is we, that what we need? <laughs> yeah, we need a decacorn. We've, we've already gone unicorn. We gotta go full decacorn. I have a feeling that company's in all of your minds right now, oddly enough. And, you, uh, and you've become an angel investor. You've, you're have you really uh, walking the walk here. It's fun. I mean, it, it also, one of my worries about this stuff is that there's a lot of capital ownership of these companies that got moved to other places outside of the city, but they kept all of the jobs in New Orleans, at least in our case, and I, and then they're looking to hire more, and so that's a really good thing. But I worry about, like, if the ownership left, then what happens when you trade that for the capital? Well, does it build more jobs here? Well, one of the ways to do that is to put the money back into other companies that are hiring and can hit those growth phases. I did have one thing I wanted to say, though, Peter. Don't tell people the odds. Oh, really? Don't say how, okay. if anybody had told me that startup <laughs> speech that you gave, I would have it's never. the one thing you learned from Star Wars, never tell me the odds, never right? Never tell so. me the odds. <laughs> I didn't think we'd be quoting Star Wars. This Always quote Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> you should get used to with Patrick here. Yes. <laughs> Patrick, what about you? What, what do you do, uh, uh, what do you think about those questions? What it means to the city and you personally? Well, I think it's, there's some really clear answers to the question around capital coming back to the community. So we did some rough math around these transactions of how much money actually went back into the state of Louisiana uh, from the transaction, and it's hundreds of millions of dollars. And what's interesting about technology companies is that in the case of Lucid, and I think the case of Levelset, I'm not sure about um, yours, Matt, but the employees own a lot of equity. Like almost all the employees have a stake in the sale of the company. So it's not just a single owner or a single family. You have hundreds of families who are receiving capital for the first, sometimes for the very first time. And I remember my first exit back in the day when I was able to pay off some debt. It wasn't a lot of money in, in real terms, but it's those debts that are being paid off. It's those houses, those mortgages, the student loans, all those that are being paid off right now, which have huge impact to the families in our state. Because now, instead of paying principal and interest out to some other financial firm outside the state, 
Now we're making investments here from all those families. And that's a huge change in terms of the overall net income of, of those families. That's a big, big deal. The other thing that I keep coming back to is, uh, and we talked about walking in, is that now people believe us when we say we can do it. When Matt says we can do a decacorn, instead of people going, you're, you're, that's total hogwash, that's never gonna happen. Someone, I, my first thought was how many years is it gonna take, right? When, how many more billion dollar exits are we gonna have in the next five years? And will it take 10 years to get to a decacorn or not? Right, how fast, not if. So it's the change of when rather than if. That's probably the biggest change in people's mindset of what's possible in terms of new development of business in this community. And Scott, you've, you've, uh, you've thought about this a lot. What do, you, what do you think? I mean, you're uh, pretty recent that you've uh, had the transaction, but have you been able to think about what's next here? Well, for me, uh, what's next, there's a lot of things that are next. With respect to this question about New Orleans, I would invert both Patrick and, and, and Matt's answers. Like, um, Patrick said something about the odds, and I actually think that you should tell people the odds um, because you, like it's, you said that it's smart and hard work, but it's really, uh, there's a tremendous amount of luck that goes into what happened to us three. Um, and a tremendous amount of like getting through the, when the odds seem really slim and the work you have to do to get through that. And that takes, um, you know, that going into a business and wanting an exit, it requires like the luck of being able to get through all that, but also the, the willingness to be able to get through all that. So anybody who gets into this should be really, 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 really familiar with the odds. Um, the second thing to invert is around like New Orleans money. Putting money into New Orleans is great, having New Orleans money is great, but companies that are massively successful, when you see a company that's massively successful out of San Francisco or New York, you know what? Money's coming from all over the dang place. Hong Kong, New York, San Francisco, Switzerland, France, everywhere, China. It's important that New Orleans figures that out and that they figure out that really we have to attract talent here, we have to attract money here, we have to track all kinds of things here. And so the thinking about New Orleans money is part of it, but really I think what made us successful, at least speaking from our point, from my point of view, is that we were able to attract all kinds of stuff from all over and do that to create a success story in New Orleans. Do you agree with um, Matt and Patrick that it's gonna be an easier sell now that a company uh, in New Orleans can Yeah, Yeah, but it's also, you know, it's also an easier sell that can happen. Unfortunately, it's an easier sell, sell that it can happen in Nashville and that it can happen in South Carolina and that can happen in Massachusetts. So it's, it, we're, we're benefiting, uh, we're, 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 a, we're a reflection of a moment of time where you're seeing this happen all over the country and all over the world. And so, um, but yes, like people can see that, hey, these kind of companies can be created in places like here. I know people who did it. I have people who are coming out. We have people who are coming out of our companies and doing it as well. So it creates like a little bit of atomic dust and all those things are positives. So that's what I was gonna uh, ask and start with Matt is, is there a ripple effect? I mean, one of the things that was so hard to get started in the tech community here was that you might have been the only one and people don't want to come somewhere where they maybe they don't like it and they've already moved their family and such and there's nowhere else to go. Uh, does this help alleviate it? I think, I mean, part of what we've done is gone from a place where when I was starting up, I really felt alone and, and at the time I totally misread that. I was thinking, well, I'm the one of the only people who does this. this that means there's opportunity here. It turned out there weren't a lot of other people to do it with me, which means you're sort of going in and it's a lot harder to get there. So I think now because so many people have followed and there's so much success that it makes it easier for people because there is a real cohort of people who care about this stuff and are starting companies and they're starting 
they are working, learning the business, and starting a bunch of other companies. I think, Lucid, you, what, do you have a name for these folks? Oh, I think we called them uh, the Cypress Knees, right? The, <laughs> right? All the other companies and things that come out of uh, one of these experiences that employees have. Now they actually have capital as well, so that might entice them even more to start. And reputation. Thing. Yeah. You know, that's important. This is Scott Wolf that's Jr. from right. Level 7. That goes back to the, like, um, the, that people have seen it. It's, it's, in addition to people who have seen it, it's like a resume. You know, when I went to go raise money, I had, a, I don't know about y'all, but when I started raising money, I had an outfit of people with zero resume. <laughs> with zero resume. A bunch of New Orleanians with nothing. Um, and, but now when the people who are part of Level Set or Lucid or Turbo Squid, they go out, there's, there's a resume and there's a, there's a, there's that, that's important. Are you surprised about the, uh, the offers for, for mergers? I mean, they say that 70% of all mergers don't, don't work. Um, many of them, after a year, need some sort of couples therapy. Um, they, <laughs> a year? Yeah, no, yeah. Maybe not a year. I don't know if it's going to take that long. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what it gets me uh, to is, um, do you guys stay on or for a while? How does that work? People ask me this question. Well, I think we all show. have different stories all yeah. around this one. Um, but I'm staying on as the, the chair of the board of SENT. This is so SENT out of Sweden Coleman. acquired Lucid. Um, and so their CEO is now the CEO of the combined group. And I actually uh, start my role as chair as February 1st. And so um, starting to get uh, onboarded into that. So I won't be a full-time employee, but I definitely have a clear role in the organization to support it. That's uh, and yourself, it's, do you it's, think you'll... It's definitely, you know, people group mergers and acquisitions into one, this is Scott one Wolf thing, Jr. from and Level then they say, oh, there's, a, there's an exit. It's even called exit. You know, the word's called exit. So it it depends. We did two acquisitions in our day. One was an aqua hire that we did, and then the other was we required actually technology and got zero people with it. So um, acquisitions can take all shapes and sizes. For us, we we're accretive to the the organization that we joined and so we'll, we're taking an active role we're building on top of that company um at Procore. so we have a very exciting thing that another like a, another chapter that could be a, a fortune 500 company hiring in new orleans with a lot of um with a lot of direction um around a, a big a big bright future so i'm super excited about that and um and so we're very involved well, I'd say, uh, you know, one of the interesting this things is just... Matt wisdom. So TurboScope we sold in February. In March, I ran into Patrick and Scott at the Entrepreneur Week. And they said, oh, you're staying on. I had originally intended to stay on and keep doing stuff. And they both said, you're not going to last six months. Both of them, <laughs> right? We both said that? You both said that. <laughs> you both you, like, that's probably true. No way. And so, <laughs> it, as it turns out, I made it two more months, and it was like they restructured everything. I'm like, this is not me, and I'm out. So I didn't even I didn't even make it to half of what they were forecasting for my tenure at the at Nuco. So and it's at Nuco, I had zero ideas that we were going to be acquired, like or that that this would be that this would happen. Patrick, this, I bet you did. I mean, there was you were a little larger. You were kind of a well, we've been um, active in the M and A space for quite some time. Uh, and particularly as our whole industry was heating up, we got more and more uh, indication. But what happened from our standpoint is that Scent went public in February on the Stockholm NASDAQ and did extraordinarily well with the multiple. And we got a quick phone call thereafter saying, are you ready to do this merger? Of course, it took this amount of time to get there. Um, but you, you talk about the relative success or potential for success of a major deal, and ours is you know, like for like size companies. We're both basically the same size. And for me, it really comes down to willingness to be open 
and adopt each other's culture. And what I've been very pleased with so far is that both teams have been very open and not defensive. And it's hard because people's jobs are on the line. People are worried about what their next role is. Do they have a job? What's going to happen? And as much as you try to give them the right framework and the right uh, feeling for it, they're going to have those concerns. And so to have them be so open and willing to do the hard work now with so many questions uh, inspires me. I think we're going to be successful with this merger. They're very hard. They're very hard, and when they're doing well, I think ours is going well. It sounds like yours is going well. It's it's very hard. I, uh, it's going it's going well. It's hard. It's hard. Oh, yeah. it's going well, I, right? I think we can predict how well Patrick's will go, depending on how much she, you know, with the Swedish company, how much he adopts pickled herring as yes. a as a yes. as a part of his diet. And yeah. if he can do the pickled herring, I think there's a think, good future. I think that's in the this. roadblock. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Matt Wisdom, co-founder of Turbo Squid, Scott Wolf Jr., founder of Level Set, and Patrick Comer, the founder of Lucid, all New Orleans companies that had successful exits in 2021. All of you, you stayed here in New Orleans. So many companies get to a certain level and they say, I can't stay in New Orleans, I've got to move. And there's all these people approaching you about move. But why didn't you do it? Uh, Patrick, did that happen to you? I mean, early on, investors would say, you know, why are you here? Why don't you go somewhere else? I just tried to ignore them. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's gotten easier and easier, as, as Scott mentioned before, to do what we do from anywhere. So the, the barriers to success from being here uh, have been diminishing every single year. And that accelerated with COVID when we, went, we were already remote and we went fully remote with no offices, obviously, the beginning of that outbreak. So now it almost doesn't matter where you are. So it, being in New Orleans is a, is a choice. And it, there's, from my standpoint, there's not a particular reason why you wouldn't want to be in New Orleans if you wanted to be. Now, there are challenges with every city and every location, of course, and New Orleans has its own set of issues, as we all well know. Um, but it's gotten easier and easier, from my standpoint, to be here, not harder. And it's always had pros and cons. It's this always is Scott Wolf Jr. from Level Even in the, the, the early, early stages. Um, and it has cons. Every city has cons. San Francisco has cons. Um, and companies are leaving San Francisco and New York to open up shop in different places because of, of those drawbacks. So... Yeah. Well, the salaries have gotten so high, it's so competitive in the Bay Area this that you're talking wisdom. about entry-level people in software getting a quarter million dollars a year. And then what you pay for the office space, which is crazy expensive, and the California taxes, all the rest of that stuff, you start getting to, if you spend a million dollars a year, you could hire three junior engineers. That's a crazy amount of expense for a low amount of output. So when they start talking to us and our salary scale is reasonable, the capital will go a lot further. I think various traditionally sort of what are they called the bicycle ride you know you're supposed to be close to silicon valley so that they could bike to your company but now actually i don't think they want to pay for that they don't think the investment goes as far so they're reaching way further out to look for other other companies where there's a higher return you know, you know i'm kind of curious if you folks know a good company when it's young you can just kind of tell like i knew when we met all of you that it was gonna it was gonna work but i've also thought others would and, and didn't. Uh, are there characteristics? Um, I mean, I'll tell you, like I, I tell you, I am <laughs> yeah. terrible over my lifetime of guessing which companies are going to work. Patrick Comer from Lucid. I mean, I remember when the Google beta came out for the original search engine. I was like, I was really happy with my Yahoo portal. Why do I need another search engine? AltaVista is awesome. Facebook? I mean, I hated Friendster. What am I going to do on Facebook, right? 
And then Twitter comes out with microblogging. I hate blogging. Why do I want to? So basically, it's really hard to know what's going to work. And so instead of trying to figure out, is the idea any good? Yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no shit. So Most people didn't understand what you did for a long time. So. Most people still don't understand what we do, which is. <laughs> so I, I worry less about what the idea is, and does the team have the right perseverance and commitment to achieving the result or not? It, for me, it's about team, not about idea. Because I've been I've been wrong about the idea so many times that I, it, trying to figure out what's good or bad is is, is hard for me to do. It's not my skill set. I don't think, I, and there are times when you know, there are times when I think we were going to work. So, <laughs> so, and I knew that company really well. Yeah. And that guy. Right. I know, know that guy. It just depends. <laughs> you know, some of it, I'd say for sure it's the team and it's the leader. There's this some moment wisdom. where you can see people who are like, they're going to fight it out. They have the hustle. They have the courage. Like you can, you can detect that. That's really important because there are going to be down times where you're like, how how could it be this bad? And you have to keep on going. So Savitri, whose company Resilia, I was part of one of her first with the through the startup fund investments. I saw her pitch, and it's like working in the nonprofit sort of area, but a place that's terribly underserved in the nonprofit area. And she was a rock star. And so everybody that watched that pitch immediately when she walked out of the room were like, that is a person who invested. And she's gone on to raise $10 million. She's highly recognized as one of the prominent you know, black female company founders. But you could tell instantly that she had it, right? And then the space you're looking at saying, well, I, I don't know if it's as big as a Google or, or, or this or that, but it really does need the services that they're providing. So like, go for it. It's a good space, like it's a good market to operate in. She's a great operator. That's kind of what we need to know. You know, Patrick was saying how people still didn't know what that company did. Lucida, yours was actually the more difficult one. When I'd explain what you did, all I could remember from our meeting was that you said, did I see the movie Ratatouille, We Made the Eiffel Tower? Yeah. And that's what I've been using for 10 years to explain, <laughs> to explain your company. <laughs> so. I know. Well, now, you know, the more recent one was they had the, all the stuff with this, the Boeing 737 Max and the crashes. So news agencies around the world bought all these 3D models of the 737 MAX so they could show like, well, they put the engine here and they could explain the difference between where they moved it and why it crashed. So like that was all computer graphics made from TurboScript. It was really funny. I mean, it was just, it, it's a bizarre business when like a plane crashes and it's a, like a windfall of sales, you know? What do you do? But you know, like this moral questions mixed in with all this stuff. Don't like to profit from the tragedy. No, but, no, know. but I, I see where, where it's going. Do you, people must come to you all the time. Do you have now, or maybe now, do you have the, the time to share your expertise with these companies just getting going? Do you? I mean, the, 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 the answer is yes, and I've always, but even before and after you have the time. This is Scott Wolf um, Jr. from it isn't any. It has not changed for me because of the acquisition, um, but in general, try to... Um, look, it, when I was when I was coming up, I would figure out ways to learn, and that meant talking to certain people. And um, for the, and I think that people who are out there working on companies and working on things, and they're figuring out ways to learn. They're going to figure it out. They're going to figure out how to get in touch with me. They're going to figure out how to, um, if if I'm relevant to them, right? Um, and they're going to figure out how to how to how to get that get that learning. And I'm I'm certainly given it here and there. I think it's one of the great things about our community is how involved 
the more tenured of us have been trying to help everyone else out, because right? Because it's radio, people need to know you're all very young. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, it's true. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that now. Um, this is Patrick Comer from Lucid. This has been one of the most supportive experiences I've had, not only as founder, but as participant. We've been engaged, whether it's called Idea Village or, or Crew to New or the Startup Fund. It's a we're all in this together kind of mentality, supporting each other, trying to get all these companies up and moving, all these ideas executed. And that's spectacular. That's a, that's a unique experience in, in my book, having started companies in other, in other markets, the, the camaraderie, I guess. That's um, one of the pros of New Orleans. Yeah, it's one of the For pros. sure, that you don't get in a, in, a, in, a, in a different type of city. Right. And the fact that Crudenew was started to actually provide a space for people who were not even from New Orleans or right. part of the scene to come in and have a peer group around companies was awesome. I mean, that was, that's the kind of thing we do here that makes a difference. And I've heard that in, in San Francisco, it's, you get in an incubator and people are very competitive with each other versus There's so much. Like, I think Y Combinator enters this is Scott a Wolf lot Jr. of companies from level into, their, into their program every year. Um, there's just so much, and you kind of, you, you just, you just, there's such a shuffle, and you get lost, and you might meet a lot of people, but you meet a lot of people very superficially. Whereas in New Orleans, it's a, it's a, the, the pro, there's a con there, which is you don't have the, you don't have the, the, um, the surface area of the people. But you have, um, but you're going to meet these people over and over again, and you're going to develop relationships with them, and you're going to you're going to get deeper help from from them. I think that's right. That's well, right. we're really not competing against each other. I mean, everybody's got some other wacky idea they swear is going to make a billion dollars. <laughs> you know, so it's not like we there's not a natural competition. I think in some of those circles, because people want to make the most money and they want to raise the highest round and they want to prove they're the most alpha person out there that they can sort of like. Uh, like pick on each other, but I don't like that kind of environment. It's part of why I wanted to be here in the first place. Like it's a social town where people are actually trying to like make friends and get together and, and have a life. Deep, um, I guess every once in a while you have to tell somebody their baby is ugly, right? Um, I do that a lot. <laughs> every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Day job. Only very, my own company. Very, I don't tell you your baby is ugly. I say our our babies are ugly. You don't. You, I think that when people come to you, when you're talking to somebody, this is Scott and Wolf the Jr. More from honest Level you can be with them about the um, things, the better. Um, and but also like um, packaging that honesty with the fact that you. I'm just. I'm no. I'm no. I'm no god here. I'm just one. I'm just one guy's opinion sometimes on a lot of this stuff. And I've been just to Patrick's point. I've been wrong about almost everything that I've done. Um, so, you are a really humble, bunch, by the way, for everything you've accomplished. Did you say we have been humbled a lot? <laughs> no, that's also true. You know, when you're looking for, I assume you've all got a lot of different ideas in your head right now. I mean, I guess it would be all tech that you'd be looking at. I don't think any of you are going to open a chain of Mexican restaurants or anything, right? It's uh, uh, your, your other ideas going forward, or are they all tech-based? Yeah. That's true. I mean, this is uh, Patrick I, I've, Comer from Lucid. Because of my younger brother Walton, who's been so uh, successful in cryptocurrency trading, I decided it was a good idea for me to not let him have the whole bag for himself and to get into NFTs. So I've been very deep into Web3, and there are two projects in town you know, involved with one is uh, Gripner with our friends at Revelry, with Britmer Crossan and Co., and then also with, with Tim Williamson and um, with Zach on the, uh, the NolaCoin project. So. Yeah, there's a lot of Web3 opportunities that we're working on right now. Tech is what I'm 
I've done for 20 years, so why would I stop doing tech? It's, it's in my blood. Tim Williams was my first student like 35 years ago. So I guess that gives away his age. So he's probably not going to be happy about this. Yeah, but yeah. 37 but years old. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right out of the womb into that investments <laughs> class there. Yeah. <laughs> you've, um, Matt, you, you were the, kind of the first one here in a way. I'm sure you've got lots of other ideas. I'm not asking you to give away trade secrets or anything, but do you have a lot of things you'd like to, like to try? Well, you know, it, it's sort of like I want to work environment. And what I worry about what's happened, and I, I think the jury's still out, but with tech companies, like I loved being around all the people that I wanted to work with. And then the idea is you could launch them and put them out and people, a million people be using it really quickly. Very satisfying, right? But with the pandemic, it's sort of sitting alone at your own desk with being a, looking at a screen in Zoom meetings all day or whatever. And so I find that very unsatisfying as a way to work. And I don't know, it'll be a while, like tech companies are having a hard time. My, my kid is at one of, the, one of the Fortune 5 companies and in their San Francisco office, I think 10% of the people are back. Even now, people are not working from the office. And so will you build a team in person to like work with and do that all? That's like one of my favorite things. I don't know that that exists here, just in the tech industry as much. So I'm focusing more on trying to work with individual entrepreneurs and going in person. We're all in person here. This is not a Zoom. This is not a Zoom out to lunch. This is not a Zoom out to lunch. Exactly. We're, we're all here in person. And that's part of what I want to do is just have more time with other people. So right now, the best way to do that, I think, is with other founders and sort of talking around. And so that's, that's my focus. We'll see about uh, starting up new ventures that have zero revenue. That's a whole separate process. <laughs> and uh, for the moment, I'm going to enjoy not doing that. <laughs> Patrick, did you come from a long line of entrepreneurs? Uh, no, I come from a long line of priests, so. Um. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah, Episcopal priests, because otherwise it's going to be a fascinating I always say show. priest, everyone's like, really, right. tell me more. That's um, a different strategy. That's yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> different, different path. Now, I love what you said earlier, Scott, how entrepreneurs can be any type of person. I've, I've met all types, people who are really nice to talk to, some really aggressive people that I didn't want to ever speak to again, and were very successful. And that's the amazing thing I've learned is not one path up the mountain, there are many, many different paths uh, to get there. Um, and so it's, that's another thing you talked earlier about, how do you know it's a good idea? I don't know if it's even a good founder. Sometimes I don't like them and they, they, end, up, they end up being very successful, right? So. Uh, <laughs> I just and, always go back to perseverance. And it doesn't even come in the same form like business or tech, you know, there's musicians who, like musicians who break through, they are really, you know, they have to become entrepreneurs to, to, to break through or artists or all, like every level of it. It's so interesting. And they come, it's all shapes and sizes and all different types. You know, we had a, a father and son, not, your, not you, and, you and your dad. And I asked him, I said, uh, you know, is it is it genetic? Does it, you know, do they see it? Just the things you're talking about. And he goes, he says, you know, um, they say the apple doesn't fall from the tree, but you know, sometimes it just falls and then it just rolls and rolls yeah. and rolls. So <laughs> you're right, it doesn't always uh, turn out that way. But Scott, did um, you, was there a burden of oh expectation that you were going to start something? No. I have the same question for Matt too. Not at all. You have a legacy family as well, right? Oh, I, I definitely felt like that. The, well, I mean, I think you know this, but so A.B. Freeman was my great-grandfather, and he had an eighth-grade education and got into Coca-Cola. repeat that. A.B. Freeman was your great-grandfather. Yeah. My so ultimate no pressure. boss, apparently. No right. pressure. Oh, yeah. He, 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 and with his eighth-grade education, he hit it out of the park. 
was also like a stern man who worked his ass off. And I, because I asked my cousins when I started Turbo Script, I was like, how long did it take before he thought he was a success? And they're like, oh, 20 years. He's like in the Piro going out to like sell Coca Cola to like in the bayou and the swamps to like get the contracts everywhere and get every store and like fighting it out. And his, his daughter, when, he, when she was 18, his daughter was like, it's time to buy mom a proper engagement ring. <laughs> and I picked it out for you. It's at Adler's. Go buy that and give that to mom. And that was like the whole answer. You're like, right. Because <laughs> he had just never spent any money on anything. So if I started off with the idea that it would be 20 years. You know what I mean? And I also, coming out of college, my goal, because I'd started a company right at that point, was to never have a resume. Like to never make a resume. But for boards and other stuff, I ended up having to like, they're like, well, what's your resume? So I ended up having to do it, but not for applying for a job. Like this, I also, this is the first time I ever like applied for a job, basically. It's a weird feeling <laughs> to be 49 applying for a, your first job. Your chairman, did they make you, uh, make you fill out I a I had resume? to fill out a CV. Oh yeah, I had to go in front of the nomination committee and say my piece, so. Uh, they're very they're very formal around governance, especially for a public company, as the you would Swedes. expect. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I've had multiple jobs, I've had multiple resumes, I've had temp jobs, I've had all sorts of things. But I was going back to the the, the sense of burden or expectation that family places on you for uh, doing something great, and that's one thing I very much relate to uh, because I'm not from New Orleans, but I'm from Alabama, and the Comer family in Alabama has had multiple governors and things like that. So there's always this expect expectation that whatever path it was, it was going to lead to big outcomes. And uh, I used to think that was a burden, but it's also a driver on why you try to achieve outsized returns is because there, for me, at least, there was an expectation that I would do so. Well, also you see it's like, and it can be done. So I didn't realize that that's incredibly cool about the governors and like being involved like that. It's like, and you see people have other success in whatever field. And it's not obvious to you that like, that's hard. I mean, you're sort of like, it's your turn, you know, is kind of how that comes off. That's, that's right. Later, once you get into it, you realize that it's not exactly easy to make anything work, you know, much less that kind of success some other people have. You can, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure families can screw it up. Like there's probably, you know, oh, there's, there's a, there's a, they say every happy family is happy for the same reason, but every sad family, every upset family is happy for their own reasons. So I'm sure there's ways to really screw up your kids. Um, but it sounds like from our standpoint, like here you have three people who had good, good outcomes so far with some stuff they put their, put their efforts into who had really good examples of like, Hey, it can happen. Right. And you have, um, like there's there's probably a whole lot of people who don't have that. Hmm. That's right. That's why representation really matters. Right. That's why diversity really matters. Because as much, when Matt so easily said, I saw it in my family, I knew it was possible. I didn't even question whether or not I could do that. That's a powerful statement that was embedded in your upbringing that no one ever told you, it was just known. Yeah, for sure. And so all the efforts around DE&I, this is why it's important so that you believe because it, whether it's your family or your people, your race or creed, whatever it is that you're relating to, and you're related to this very strongly. What's the story there? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Just, I think it takes, it, it's, it's, it's generational. It's interesting. It's just interesting. It is interesting. And you, uh, your mom and dad are kind of amazing. You had Wagner's Meats. Well, and actually, Melvin's yeah. And 
my parents are actually the first, though, because like my, certainly my family, no governors in my family, <laughs> uh, no freedmen's. Um, so it's interesting because they were, um, they were uh, it was like working class. So like, you know, my parents were teenage pregnancy. So we, we had like, when I remember growing up and, and seeing them make it, which is, which is unique. You're like the first generation. You're seeing, you know, the first generation of kids seeing the success and know what the values right. are. It was all yeah. around you. That's that's what is interesting about what what I think. When you have people who are um, like from our standpoint, we it's just bred it. Like I never thought, it's just bred into what you think you can do. And that's probably a very hard thing to program into. Um, that's why I think that people can screw up the generations because it's probably a very hard thing to program with your children, um, especially as you get more successful. You know, <laughs> one of the things meeting your, with your dad, Scott, is he told me they're still selling an awful lot of those bumper stickers that say you can't It's crazy. Beat I have meat. this website. <laughs> I own this domain, wagnersmeat.com, and I'm telling you, we get, so by the way, if you go to wagnersmeat.com, um, you could buy <laughs> bumper stickers and hats and um, underwear. <laughs> I hope you brought some swag. I didn't see it's that a, coming. At least, at least at the last time I checked, which I'm telling you, I have not checked that website in at least eight to ten years. But um, yes, you can buy. You could buy all this stuff, and I get this. It's it's built on like Cafe Press, which is this ridiculously old. You remember Cafe Press? I remember Press? Cafe Press. For I mean, sure. it's been a long time, yeah, but we still sell things like every day or every week at least. Somebody's buying it or searching for it. It's incredible. That's good brand. That's good brand power. For many years, the New Orleans economy was firmly rooted in the oil and gas industry. When big oil left the city, it seemed like the only thing we had left was hospitality and tourism. Then, a little after the turn of the 21st century, New Orleanians learned a new term, tech startup. We saw technology companies starting up and growing with the help of business incubators like Idea Village and Propeller. At the same time, we were watching Silicon Valley in California. As we witnessed the success of venture capital-driven tech companies that came out of there, people here in New Orleans started asking, where's our Google or Facebook? Well, in business terms, it hasn't taken long to answer that question. In just 10 years, we've seen the successful exit of three very impressive local companies that were built here from scratch, TurboSquid, LevelSet, and Lucid. And it seems like, rather than having reached what 10 years ago would have been considered the pinnacle of achievement, we're realizing now that we're probably actually only reached a, a new plateau, a, a new base camp from which we can continue climbing. Matt, Scott, and Patrick, your incredible achievements are not only an inspiration to other entrepreneurs, you're providing a foundation to help businesses in the next generation of New Orleans succeed. Congratulations to all you have done for, and all the extraordinary success you've had, and thank you all for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Well, I'm just curious what our next conversation will be about on Out to Lunch. I'm trying to think what that would be. Right, because that was like six or seven years ago. Yeah. When at least I was here for the first time. Why don't we just promise to bring you back? Yeah, and six or seven years, we'll do this again. Yeah. We'll see what's It's happening. really up to you to create something. This, <laughs> my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Matt Wisdom, co-founder of TurboSquid, Patrick Comer, founder of Lucid, 
and Scott Wolf Jr., founder of Level Set. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our extended conversation and find out a lot more about these companies and their successful exits by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, it's neworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Rusciutti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.